Welcome to the future of music. My name is Jake Abel, and I started this podcast as a passionate music fan interested in how technological developments like Web3 and AI will disrupt and continue to affect the music industry. Each week, I talk with artists, entrepreneurs, and music professionals about all things music and tech. So whether you're a musician, industry professional, music or tech enthusiast, or just have a curious mind, I'm hoping this podcast can become a resource for you to learn from me and the incredible guests I have on, and to prepare yourself for the future of music. This podcast is released in collaboration with Float, an experimental label, media company, and music platform I've been working with that helps artists create music and release it as digital assets. Check out the links in the show notes to find us on social media, see what we're up to, and discover some incredibly talented independent artists. In the spirit of technological development, I've started using an AI voice generator to create my intros and outros. This episode is a conversation with Chad Hillard, the founder of Dreams Never Die, and former team member Cole Ryan. Chad started the popular music blog Hilly Dilly that thrived in the blog era, discovering artists like Billie Eilish, Lord, Tom Mish, and many others very early on in their careers. And the Dreams Never Die record label was formed in 2019 so they could start taking real bets on the artists the team was discovering. They recently got involved in Web3 and just launched their Dreams Never Die founder pass to bring their fans and community members into the label and give them an intimate way to contribute. We talked about all of these things and more and had an incredibly insightful conversation around why the Web3 path is worthwhile for upcoming artists. I hope you learned something new from today's episode. Here is Cole Ryan and Chad Hillard of Dreams Never Die. Do you have like a core office for the team? Yeah, it's based in Los Angeles. Yeah, cool, cool. We're starting to look for one of those for float, like uh, just a physical space where we can bring people together, work a little bit, showcase some art and music and stuff. Yeah, it's so important, man. I mean, yeah. the music industry is, it's, you know, it's culture, it's fucking art. And if you're not in the same room with people, like, it's like, you know, we can't do this shit over Zoom. Not yeah, no, yeah. I mean, our, we do like weekly sessions, weekly recording sessions in DC and that really brings people together but having like a central hub would definitely be helpful definitely absolutely um all right well let's get into it i mean we talked a little bit last week and i got a little bit of your background but i'd love for you guys to talk about uh what you were up to sort of leading up to dreams never die i know you started the blog back in that era but uh yeah just give me your background and sort of how it led to where you're at right now Okay, so yeah, my my name is Chad Hillard. I'm the founder of Genius Ever Die. Uh, my journey started back in 1999 when my mom first bought me a computer, and it had a CD burner in it. And Napster first came out, and I, I just became obsessed with downloading music. I mean, prior to that, you had to go to a CD store and buy a twenty dollar CD. And for me at that age, I was just I couldn't afford that. So music discovery wasn't really a thing until Napster came out, and I was just that kid that basically sat on a computer for hours and discovered a crazy amount of artists started, you know, telling people about us. So I started burning CDs and it wasn't until 2007, I started a, a music blog called Hilly Dilly. It was a place for us to share um, the stuff that I was, that was come across. And I ran that for uh, 15 years, discovered a crazy amount of artists. Billy Irish was our most famous discovery. And, and, and yeah, basically it just, just through persistence and consistency, we grew a brand that that people kind of respected just because we weren't running a blog to get clicks and hits. It was just, here's an amazing song, write it up kind of thing. And and there was a bunch of other artists that, that we were instrumental in, in the, in the very early stages. And it was just, it was, it was really fun 
but the, the tough thing about running a music blog is figuring out how to create a sustainable business behind it. And again, we weren't chasing after clicks. So that's why we started Genius Never Die in 2019. Basically a place for us to you know break and sign the artists that we believed in. And that's where we're all today. Um, I, I mean, we can obviously... We're going to run into uh, more of the details here, but I'll I'll keep it short there and let Cole kind of tell his story. Yeah, uh, my journey uh, started whenever I was uh, going on like dozens of music blogs in middle school and high school. And uh, Chad's blog, Haley Dilly, was my favorite one. In 2013, uh, I sent him an email. was like, this is the best. I want to write for you. I want to become a part of it. And that's how my journey with Hilly Dilly began. And uh, mm-hmm. the cool thing is that's how like everyone who worked at Hilly Dilly and now Dreams Never Die got involved, essentially. Um, so it's a lot of people who were just passionate music nerds, uh, finding stuff online, excited about SoundCloud and the blog era. Um, so yeah, that's where I come from. Uh, I've been along for the entire ride for the past 10 years. So the whole background of Hilly Dilly into... Uh, into dreams never die i was a part of as well but uh once we decided to uh move into the web3 spaces whenever i got way more involved went full-time on things and uh and now we've ended up here yeah it's super cool what what did like discovering an artist mean back then in the blog era like that was a little bit before my time the sort of peak of that era and then i didn't really start uh developing more of an interest and passion in music till like later in high school and then starting in college like 2016 17 um but yeah tell me a little bit more about that so it it meant like sifting through your email submissions sound soundcloud uh hype machine Bandcamp. Uh, back then there was this torrent site called what.cd i used to bookmark uh the genre pages hip-hop alternative r&b pop and I would go through them every single day. Um, for example, that's how I found Lord's EP, the Love Club EP. So back in 2012, Scott, her manager at the time, signed her to the new, uh, the new Zealand branch of UMG. They put it out as what he said was a soft release. So I, I don't know why they did that because the music was incredible. But I came across it on January 10th on What.CD and I heard Royals and I was losing my mind. Back then, nobody really knew much about Hilly Dilly because we didn't really hit our fever pitch in that space, but I was just tweeting about it. Um, but yeah, that's, an, that's another story. So it's just basically music discovery back then was just manually listening to hundreds of songs every day, everything you get your hands on. And that, that's basically all that we did. It's not like we had, were reinventing the wheel. We were just hungry to find great songs. And that, it just led us down the path of, like, for example, Triple J on Earth this national syndic- syndicated radio in Australia where young artists upload their music to, and it's kind of like a funnel for them to get up to the main triple J radio. Um, I've discovered a lot of artists there. So yeah, it's just, it's just being hungry and, and, and really just sifting through as many songs as you can a day. Um, it's definitely a young person's game. Uh, I don't do it as much anymore because it's just so taxing, but yeah, shout out to anybody that spends their time discovering artists because it's it's the really dirty work because you can spend six hours and not find a single thing single thing that inspires you but you know that's that's the fun in it 
yeah, I, I can definitely see how, uh, you know, finding those cool discoveries is exciting. Um, and there's just like so much music getting put out. It's crazy. You're never going to sift through all of it. So there's always more work to do. Um, did you guys have a monetization model or financial model for the blog before you started the label? No, because we weren't getting enough clicks. It just simply wasn't a viable business option. Like the, the revenue that was coming in was peanuts. The, the way, what happened is in 2014, an investor basically approached me and we, we did a deal where he was able to pay me on salary and we were going to figure out a business plan as we went. But again, the, the ethos of only sharing great music and not getting involved in clickbait is you can't run a business like that. Yeah, and yeah we really are. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, Hilly Dilly was a place where we purely shared new music. Um, there weren't news articles, um, like long form blog posts or anything like that. And actually, the way that the website was set up was kind of on par with early days Spotify. It was like a curated Spotify with playlists. There was an app. So you could like listen to tons of music for free from Hilly Dilly itself. Like, and this was uh, kind of while the whole streaming thing was getting sorted out. So that's what I would do. Like I would just go on Hilly Dilly and listen to all my music from there. Was it just the Hilly Dilly team submitting music at that time? Or were there, was there any community curation involved? Uh, no, there was, it was, I mean, this is always tough to talk about, but basically all the final decisions went through me because during the, the initial blog era, there was always a gamification going on where young managers would join blogs and they plug artists in their friends in and the curation would just go to shit. So I would kind of have a final say, but it wasn't about, you know, I have the best taste on the planet earth or whatever. It was just, I know my taste very well and I'm going to curate this site exactly like that and if if that if you don't align with that there's lots of other blogs to go with but thankfully people actually agreed with my taste and it kind of worked out um so yeah that that's how we ran it yeah i mean that makes sense you're just curating music that you like and sharing it with people and if they fuck with it you know those are going to be the people who want to contribute and appreciate the community it's like i mean it's sort of like the podcast like i'm doing this to talk with people that i think are personally interesting and i want to make a connection with and i want to learn from and then in doing that, you know, I figured some people would probably be interested in those conversations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to double, you got to double down on what you believe in, you know? So it's sometimes there has to be this decision-making can't be, you know, decentralized to some degree, especially when it comes to creative stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think every decentralized network is sort of struggling with that balance now. Um, and we'll definitely get into that in a bit. But I want to hear more about how you started the label. Like, what was that? Um, I don't know. What what was going on around that time? And, and how was that at the start of the label trying to grow it? I mean, um, basically, it was just us taking bets on this artist that we came across. Like, we're, we're finding artists super early. Sometimes there's one song out. Sometimes there's two songs out. There's no brand there. There's no business there. So it's just like, if we love the music, we wanted to work with it. That was kind of our mantra. So, I mean, it, it, it's when you're signing an artist early days, there's just so much, so much work to do. So it's, there's actually, you know, that's a, a bigger conversation, but yeah, that was kind of our, our simple MO is just like, instead of just putting up these artists on the blog, because the situation with Billie Eilish, 
in 2015, we didn't have any desire to work in the music business. But after we posted Ocean Eyes, you know, it got picked up by Interscope, it got picked up by the management team, and we were left, you know, with not no not not having a hand in it. It's not like you know we're crying about it, but I mean, if a certain company like ours provides value to the music industry, you know, we deserve to keep the lights on. So we had to pivot into running a record label because we provide a lot of value to the music industry because we're doing work that nobody else wants to do. I sit on the computer for hours listening to music. So that's basically the why we ran Jeans and Brian. Also, um, we we believe that we provide this tremendous tremendous amount of value to these artists because if you want someone on your team, you want someone that believes in the music, that's in this music industry for the right reasons. Because you got to be a little bit messed in the head to work in the music industry. Because like <laughs> when you look at this shit on on paper, you're like, how is this supposed to work? Like this is it's very difficult. So yeah, I always yeah. A, a lot of the numbers, like so I was talking to someone about Spotify the other day and he would like figure it out that like based on the, you know, tiny amount of streams that people are making or tiny amount of money people are making from streams. And then like Spotify isn't even making all that money back on their subscription costs and advertising revenue. And like the numbers just don't make any sense. And when I was trying to get into the music industry initially out of college, I had a lot of people that I was trying to network with um tell me that their biggest piece of advice was just be a good person and you'll stick out and i was like really facts facts <laughs> like yeah, the that, that's a differentiator i'm like all right i i think i have that going for me at least yeah. sadly the bar is extremely low here yeah well we're doing good business yeah i mean hopefully that stuff is starting to change i think i think um web3 definitely has the vision of disrupting a lot of those fucked up uh, you know, institutional problems with the music industry. Uh, when you started running the label, what issues were you running into, like with breaking artists and, and you know, trying to build them up? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, the main thing that we started to see happen was a, a larger shift in music. Um, as we started the label and before that, we were looking at a landscape when you could put out a really exciting song from a brand new artist and it would get attention. That artist would get slotted in different parts of the internet and even radio and covered in different places where there were actual music fans who were hungry for great new music, exciting new acts, could follow along uh, and you would see artists start their careers very early on, we saw it happen like time and time again, especially in this blog era where we came from. Um, as we were starting the label, uh, the industry started changing. Short form video, specifically TikTok, started dominating. Um, economic hurdles got harder and harder. COVID happened and wiped out touring for a while. Uh, and labels kind of threw their hands up in the air and we're like, all right, we're just going to sign data because we don't know what to do here. Uh, developing artists, breaking them the way that we've been doing for years and years is not working anymore. Uh, it's way more reliable just to look at data, pour gas on a fire rather than go through this whole multi-year endeavor, which doesn't even work anymore. Uh, so that was kind of the environment that we found ourselves in as we were developing these artists that we were really excited about, even though we were getting streams, press, playlists, uh, radio, all of these things that 
where traditionally great metrics and could help start careers, we were noticing that that was not happening anymore. If we found ourselves in this position where we basically had to say, now what? What are we actually going to do uh, to allow us to keep pursuing what we want to do without, uh, you know, just becoming data heads, I guess, uh, who, who aren't as concerned with the music. Chad, anything to add there? No, Cole covered it all. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. I feel like I've definitely heard a lot of similar stories and, and how, yeah, the, the music at the core isn't quite as valued anymore. Um, and I think that's the meant like people in web three, I think have dealt with those issues a lot. And then, realize the you know different ways in which you can monetize music for music's sake and and you know create financial sustainability with you know these direct relationships you know stuff people and have heard a million times before but um what made you decide you guys decide to pivot into that space well um the, the pure desperation that streaming revenue was not going to be enough um and the fact that all these social media companies are basically centralized corporations. You build your fan base there. They change their algorithm. You cannot reach your fans anymore. So you essentially, they essentially rug you there. Um, you know, TikTok is, is a massive player for breaking artists, but eventually, you know, maybe they change their algorithms and it becomes very, a lot difficult to break artists there. You could argue that's already happened. Um, and also it, it creates a two-way value exchange. So like, for, for example, record labels traditionally have no connection to their artists, the consumers at all that listen to their roster's music. Now you can drop um, assets on chain, like an NFT membership, where you can create a two-way value exchange to your customer that brings them closer to the music. And that to me is a very exciting endeavor. It's, it's a very egalitarian. It's just completely different. It's, you know, it, you're, you have a direct connection to your consumer. You can create value. You can create IRL experiences around a token and it's on a decentralized blockchain because we need to, you know, build our own independent companies, keep and not rely on, on, on DSPs to playlist the music. Just not, you know, it's just, it's just super important for creatives to, to, to take the energy back and stop expecting these companies to give a shit about what they're doing unless they're singing and dancing on, for supper on TikTok. Yeah, like to riff on that a bit more even. Uh, if you look at the options that a new artist has nowadays uh, outside of Web3, you know, they can put their music on Spotify. That's great. There are 100,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every day. You know, that's kind of a tough break. Um, you can promote on TikTok. Everyone's doing that. I and mean, even if that lands, you just get a moment of someone's attention. Uh, Oring is not going to make money for a long time, unless you're like a massive, massive superstar. Uh, merch is, you know, it can be helpful, but it's a small endeavor. So basically we looked at the art, the, the actual options that artists have nowadays to uh, cater to their fans and actually find sustainability from them. And we saw that they were so small, uh, which indicates that the industry is ripe for disruption. And this is where we saw opportunity for disruption and potential solutions for these problems that we and the artists that we were working with were facing. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Were you guys like specifically looking for alternative paths or you had like discovered Web3 otherwise and then realized the synergies? Like how did that how did that go about? 
Um, I, yeah, I mean, for us, it was, I mean, I, I say this lightly, but it's out of like desperation. It's like, if we don't figure out how to create sustainability, like how are we supposed to scale this business? How, is, how are we supposed to keep the lights on with, you know, streaming and developing these brand new, brand new artists? So it was actually Cooper Turley who shilled us on the whole space and, and just got us involved. And then from there, we just went down the rabbit hole and drafted up a post in October of 2021, basically saying how we're going to enter Web3 and, and experiment. And it just snowballed from there. We jumped in the discords and just got hungry again just to read the button on our career. It really felt like we were starting from zero because a lot of our reputation wasn't built in the crypto space. So yeah, it was it was refreshing and it's really, um, it, it's changed both of our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you guys have the founder pass for Dreams Never Die coming out next week, right? Um, have you guys yeah. done anything, have released any projects with any artists in Web3 before that? Or this is like the launch? Oh, yeah. So uh, this is the first official Dreams Never Die token. Um, however, for over a year now, we've actually been uh, doing music NFTs with the artists on our roster. So as we were talking about, Dreams Never Die was founded in 2019. Since then, we've signed 25 artists. We've released over 150 songs, and we've done over 60 million streams. Now, like a newer stat that we have is moving about 15 ETH, uh, and that all occurred last year uh, from releasing music NFTs, which we were super excited about. Um, so after we made that post saying that we were entering Web3, we challenged ourselves to uh, launch an artist with the help of our community in Web3. Uh, and that artist's name is Slowjack. Uh, it's like S-L-O-E Jack. And uh, he was kind of our guinea pig first, first artist who looked at everything, was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm ready to go on this. So we had a great opportunity to release uh, an entire EP of eight songs uh, as music NFTs last year and really get familiar with the space, um, learn how to bring value back to holders, uh, how to like form the foundation of a community. Um, so yeah, while this is like the first official Dreams Never Die token of any sort, uh, there have been uh, several music NFT releases from the artists that we work with leading up to now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, how has it been trying to onboard or like, you know, in your case, I guess, successfully onboarding a lot of the artists you've worked with? Like, you know, I, I feel like most of the artists I talk to that aren't into it are usually skeptical at the start and it takes a little bit of convincing. So, you know, how has your guys experience been with, you know, getting the artists you work with to start I mean, to... it's 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 been hit or miss. I mean, it just depends on like the motivational factor of the artist, like why, what is going to want to get the artist involved in that space? And for some artists, you know, they're more concerned about Instagram followers and TikTok followers and Spotify playlists. And, and that's fine. We cater to those artists, but it's like the artists that succeed in Web3 are the ones that are the independent hustlers, the ones that say, I'm not going to rely on anybody else to have direct connection to my fans to build my career. And I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, and I'm going to do this in web three. So basically we just pitch the the two angles that you can have in your career. So it's like, 
you know, if if you if you're cons if you just want to like get playlisting and stuff like that, that's great. I guess I'm just repeating myself right now, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we definitely give artists the option. We show them the uh, possibilities with Web three. We show them the existing community. We say these are the things that we'd be expecting of you, and we want you to understand that it's a commitment to do this. Uh, you can't just show up and uh, not care about it and not understand it and expect something to happen. Um, so we definitely put the ball in the artist's court and we get mixed responses. Uh, but uh, the ones who are enthusiastic uh, are, are normally very excited about it and see a huge benefit from it. Uh, like for us as a label, to see artists in the green after their first song released is just incredible. I mean, like their first ever day out here and they've already made money, like that is just insane. So whenever we saw the power of that, we're, we're kind of like, why not do this? You know, this, this is pretty cool uh, and, and feels like it's definitely a space to be in. So that's the, yeah, we, we've definitely, we've seen the mixed response though from our roster. Yeah, it does have to be something that you are committed to, like, you're not going to just drop some, you know, music NFTs here and there and, and not really try to engage collectors and stuff like that and find success. It's like, you know, you, this is an alternative or not even alternative. I like to say like supplementary way to build a music career where you can still do all That's those fine. other things and playlisting and all that kind of stuff. But this just provides a new path towards, um, you know, owning that relationship with your fans. And it's something that you definitely have to put some effort into. Yeah, I mean, we basically tell ours it's a new revenue stream. And like, we're in the business of let's get as many people in the world can hear this music as possible. And Web3 is a new way to do it. So why not? Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, I think it takes a little bit of people, you know, people want to understand the technology first. But yeah, that's exactly how I view it and how, you know, once artists get into it, it is all just alternative revenue. And I think, um, you know, fans in Web3 are looking specifically to find and support new creators, which I think is definitely a motivating factor for people getting into it. Definitely. Um, so let's dive into the Dreams Never Die Pass a little bit. Um, I mean, I've read up on it and, and I think it's a really cool idea for, you know, getting a community involved in the record label process, but um, you know, I'll let you guys sort of give an overview of it and then we can sort of dive in. Yeah. I mean, kind of the high level view that, that we're looking at, like, imagine you could be there in the early days when Jimmy Iveen was starting Interscope or Rick Rubin was starting Def Jam or XL Recordings or any of these amazing labels. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying that we're on that level with those labels yet. I mean, we have some great ambitions, but it's just it's just basically like opening a record label, opening a door is creating a two-way value exchange between, uh, you know, people that are running the business, running the record label, onboarding them into the space. And it just, it seems, it, it seems like this is the future for, for any, you know, not just the music industry, but every single company that it makes sense for. Yeah. Especially a, a company that's mission driven and uh, actually creates a community along the way. So you asked a question earlier about Hilly Dilly and uh, if there was any business plan, any way to make money during that. And throughout the whole time, 
uh, we always were kind of like, it feels like there's a missing thing, you know, some missing way to actually capture this community and the value that we're providing to them and the value that they're getting from us because, you know, we would get messages on a daily basis or so saying like, we love Hilly Dilly. Thank you. This is so cool. Like you're doing all this for free. This is amazing. But there was no real structure there that made sense for us. Um, now with things like tokens and uh, the way that we're seeing Web3 uh, change the internet, we actually can imagine business models that would make sense for something like Hilly Dilly. So that community that we've acquired after, I mean, not acquired, but uh, accumulated over, uh, you know, since 2007, starting to run the blog, we actually have a means of putting everyone under one roof now uh, and actually uh, having like a space specifically on the internet, but also in real life in some occasions to uh, to congregate and do things and uh, share a mission share interests, uh, hang out. And uh, yeah, like Chad said, I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff when I mean, we want to invite people in, allow people to see the process, um, especially if you're a, like a true music fan, if you're someone who's passionate, uh, like live and breathe music and feel like there's something wrong with music right now, uh, Dreams Never Dies, like that's your spot, you know, come in there, talk with us, talk with other people who feel the same way. Uh, we're not gonna like, you know, be constantly selling you stuff. It's really a place for people to uh, actually hang out who have this shared mission of uh, being great music win and, and all the people around it. Are you guys uh, trying to bring in the existing community from the record label and like fans of your artist into this project? Or have you been, I mean, I'm sure you're also balancing that with finding people who are already in Web3 and then making them fans of the label yeah yeah no that's actually been one of the coolest things about this whole process is that we've been able to do both um so for example there are certain curators who were music bloggers for years and years alongside us in the hilly dilly days um and we've actually been able to bring them into our discord into our community uh one of them continues to find artists and now he's part of our scouts program which uh, i can talk more about later but uh we've been able to bring some of these people who you know we <clears throat> we've been internet friends and contemporaries with for years and years uh into the dreams never die community at the same time um you know making noise in web3 it's a small community uh getting funding and uh yeah just just generally being present has brought in a ton of new faces uh normally people who are interested in seeing the music industry disrupted. So they, they tend to be a good fit. Um, what is that scouts program? Let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about with dreams never die. Um, so essentially anyone can come and be a scout for dreams never die. Currently there's an open form that you can send music into. Um, if you fit in with our tapes and end up being a right fit for the scouts, uh, your songs that you send in will get funneled either to our music blog before the data or we'll reach out to them uh, for Dreams Never Die consideration. As a part of that whole process, um, you earn points, which equals uh, actual payouts, actual compensation, 
um, and things like NFTs and different status and achievements. Um, it's definitely still in the in the prototype phase. Uh, so it's a small group right now that we're testing it out with essentially. But uh, we think that this more open door approach to music scouting and actually compensating people who like we were finding music from some of these people, they were just sharing it on their, on their like SoundCloud feeds uh, or Spotify playlists. We were like, Hey, like get in here, send us the music, they'll share it on your own, but we'll actually pay you for it. Cause we're getting this value from it. Uh, you know, we've actually signed several artists who our scouts have found for us. Um, and then, uh, you know, in return, we also do scouts calls, the scouts community gets together uh, and we'll listen to music, listen to different finds that they sent in, uh, listen to demos from the roster, talk to artists from the roster. So whether you're a uh, avid music fan who finds a ton of music and just wants to be in a community with people like you, or you're actually trying to work in music uh, and you want to learn more about it, uh, the scouts community is a super cool place to be. Um, and that's something that having a founder pass uh, will get you involved in. We also are finding like, like we fully intend to have ways for scouts who don't yet have a path uh, to be able to get involved, but uh, that would involve giving them a pass at some point, probably. Uh, can you touch on the duration aspect of that? Um, sort of, you mentioned that at the beginning of this guest, but what they send being a scout, what gives them the ability to send music to your team? How is the music curated on how you officially like, you know, move forward and and see what artists you want to work with? So again, it's, it's more or less, it's kind of by committee, but we have the final say essentially um, because of our experience from, you know, listening to music every day for so many years. Um, but again, we it's not the end all be all. It's not like we're saying that we have, it's, it's basically, I mean, it, it's tough because someone that comes into the community and they want to share and they think that it's a great song and then a bunch of other people say, no, it's not it. So it's like, it, it's, it's basically just, yeah, I don't know. It's Cole, you want to save me here? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, curation is what we've done uh, for a long time at this point, you know, uh, and that's how we built our reputation and that's how we built our community it was through consistent curation. The people who are here, dreams never die, typically, and who have been around for a while, uh, trust our taste and like it. So there is a structure where, you know, if we're going to reach out to something, put our money behind it, sign it as a record label. Yeah. You like, we want an element of curation that, uh, we're experts on because that's just what we've done. Um, but at the same time, we have different avenues for people who do find music, share it. It might not be our taste specifically. Uh, there are still places within dreams never die to share those songs, talk about them with other people. Um, and uh, yeah, so there are still outlets for music that like doesn't fit into our taste necessarily, but ultimately Dreams Never Die is a hybrid approach where we're trying to become more transparent, more decentralized, more open than a traditional record company um, without going fully 
every decision up to vote, uh, every single thing uh, is decentralized because, you know, we, we think that that is a great thing for a lot of different structures. But for what we're doing specifically, we found that our community doesn't even want that. I mean, these young curators really appreciate feedback from people who have been doing it for a very long time. So uh, it, it's definitely a balance, you know. Thanks, Cole. Well said. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, the balance between, you know, community curation and then sort of having a centralized, you know, quote unquote, way to actually decide what to work with. Um, what what platforms and websites, protocols, technologies are you guys using to actually uh, find and share music within Dreams Never Die right now? So we're releasing music on all the DSPs, um, but our main focus right now in Web3 is dropping out sound. Just because we like, you know, the the amount of additions you can put out, the different mechanics. Um, you know, we're fans of catalog, but again, it's it's a one-on-one situation there. And when you're onboarding artists into the space, I think you need to pick one platform. So yeah, we both mostly have been launching them through sounds to, to start. Um why do you say you the, think they need the, to focus on one platform? Well, I mean, if if you if you look at their social media and one week they're putting out an NFT on sound, next they're putting out another NFT on another project. And the people that that were launch these artists that were launching, not all of their their fans are web three. So it just really confuses the messaging. So we just like to keep it simplified at the start. Because, you know, what's the difference between a one-on-one and an addition? Like, it's it's just, for, for us, it's just overcomplicating it, not only on the social messaging side for the artists, but the artists themselves who ju we just onboard into there. So it's like, we're just picking our our spots to put our attention on. So, I mean, and right now we, we just like the volume play. We like how sound there can be multiple collectors. We can make, um, you know, you could do free open edition mints or, or whatever kind of mechanics you want to do. Uh, do you guys want to pivot away from sound eventually? Uh, we're not platform agnostics. It's just about where the users are, whatever makes most sense. It's kind of like in web two, when you drop a song, you need it on all the streaming services, you know, upload it to SoundCloud, get it on, on, on Bandcamp. I mean, I don't think people use Bandcamp anymore, but you know, for the purpose of an example, it's kind of like, we just, we just want to get the music absolutely everywhere. So it's, it's, you know, we're not religious to any platform. It's just whatever serves our artists the best is we're going to tell them this is the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. And how about uh, finding and discovering and sharing music before you guys put it out? Where do you, where do you do that? Well, that's, that would, that's going to cost you a lot of money. <laughs> no, I'm sure. um, I mean, again, it, it's, it's the same kind of procedure that we started back in the day. It's SoundCloud submissions, other other blogs, um, you know, YouTube, Spotify, just like getting our hands dirty and, and just still sifting through, you know, hundred songs a day. There's we still run before the data, which is the new continuation of Hilly Daily because Hilly Daily shut down in May of 2020. So we're still music blogging. We're still sharing artists that we don't sign, and a lot of artists submit their music there. So we're also listening to that. So our ears are still to the ground. I mean. Uh, and a lot of people are still sending us music to the scouts. So that's kind of the whole um, ground floor infrastructure that we're working on. 
Uh, and you touched a little bit in the past about how in the past there wasn't really that form of music discovery. You know, you had to actually buy CDs and vinyls and shit. And um, yeah, I think, you know, this whole era of streaming and digital music has definitely increased the ability to find new music, although it's still hard to really break through. Um, how do you see that changing in the future? Like, with all these new technologies popping up, Web3, AI, VR, like all these different things I think are going to continue to affect the music industry. Do you think much about like how that will affect discoverability? Um, I mean, if if AI comes up with a way so to define artists without any data so we don't have to sift through hundreds of songs every day, I'm down for that. Because that, that's the most boring part. So if AI can take that out of my daily job, I'd be super happy. Because again, the, the, this, this art, the artist business is a human business. AI cannot replace breaking an artist. I mean, there's different aspects that will help, but it's still a human-to-human -human business. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm welcoming AI into that aspect. AI in, in the regards to making music, I don't know. That sounds incredibly bearish to me, but I don't want to be a boomer who hates on new technology. So I'm just going to, you know, be here for the ride, essentially. I saw uh, something really interesting, which was kind of like a theory about how AI making music might get to the point where uh, they're making like pretty average music. Um, and one of the main issues that the industry is facing right now is how relatively easy it is to make an average song um you know it's not necessarily that that's the issue it's the fact that everyone wants to put that pretty average song out and promote the hell out of it uh instead of like make better music uh and like take your time with it uh so there was a theory that essentially ai will be able to release music at that level and be on the same plane uh, so like it will kind of allow really talented artists to shine again, because that's something that AI might not necessarily be able to replicate. I don't know. That's kind of a, that's kind of a crazy theory, honestly, now that I'm, I'm saying it out loud, but, uh, the, yeah, the main thing is I, I think that, uh, that AI will, will change music discovery, but honestly, it's at such a crazy point right now that I, I think it'll end up improving it in the long term. And uh, I, I don't necessarily buy into this idea that good artists will be replaced by AI only in the future. Um, like I think yeah. that there's going to be room for them. Like kids love like random virtual characters these days. You know, I, I think that that's proven and that's going to happen in different degrees, but I don't think that necessarily means that there isn't going to be room for talented live performing artists who are amazing people who can tell their real life stories, you know? Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, the human aspect of it is, is irreplaceable live music. You know, you can never replace live music instrumentation. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I hope it just is a way for, you know, really good artists to, um, I don't know, still shine through. And, you know, people want that human story attached to music. Like people have an emotional connection with the artist that they're a fan of. And so, um, you know, I, I 
hope that it will end up where you know artists who can learn how to use the technology to increase what they're doing like that's cool and artists that are you know telling their stories and people are connected with them on a human level like that i think will never be replaced um let's hope so so. we'll see i don't know yeah it's pretty it's it's otherwise a lot of people are going to be out of work one i mean one thing i've been thinking about is how like you know you think about music in the 20th century and then towards the end of the 20th century electronic music production became a thing whereas like previously if you wanted to make something that sounded like that you would need session musicians in the room with you making music and then electronic music and production made it easier to do that and then it created all these new genres and people who learned how to use that technology you know were creating new types of art and i'm hoping that ai is just sort of a next step in that direction like you know people who learn how to use that technology can now blend genres more seamlessly and create new sounds and get ideas from their head like onto the computer and able to be heard in a rough version quicker um i mean the this might sound like science fiction but i, I don't think it is anymore like the eventually the human brain might be connected to artificial intelligence like directly into it like what elon musk Neuralink is so maybe you know how you go to sleep and you have these dreams and you Sometimes I dream and I like make a song. I'm like, oh shit, I wish I could like produce, but I can't. Maybe just like slap Neuralink on and just make a fire beat. I might, then we don't need these digital audio workstations anymore. It's just all in here. But I don't know. That's like even the next step, which is crazy to think about. But um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Back to Dreams Never Die. How how do you guys... uh, (laughs) What technologies are you guys using to communicate with the whole community now? Uh, we're, you know, using Discord, good old fashioned Discord. Uh, our uh, We do a weekly chat every 2 p.m. Pacific on Fridays. And that's a place for us to kind of talk about what we did during the week and then just shoot the shit, have random conversations uh, and build camaraderie. And that's basically where the bulk of our, our community community integration has really been and we're going to be started doing more events but really it's just being in there week in week out and seeing new people come in seeing the people come back building a relationship that way and it's, it's really been fun because we're really trying to create an oasis away from the fuckery of the music industry to put it simply um and, and just like you know hang out and, and talk about what's going on talk about the stuff that made us mad that week and and just have random conversations. And I feel like the human to human connection that comes through voice chat and discord is super important because a lot of our community, you know, we're spread out all over the world and we, we, we are going to be having lots of IRL events, but not a lot of these people can be there. So I think having weekly chats and just bringing the human aspect into it is is so important for our community. It's really been, uh, I think a lot of our most favorite parts about, this whole web three record label is just getting like-minded people together and just talking and getting to know each other. Yeah. We also uh, have a weekly newsletter that goes out on Substack. Uh, that's been another great way of keeping people updated who are in way too many discords and can't keep up with the notifications uh, or just can't take that plunge into discord. Uh, I've been there for sure. So yeah, we have, we have a newsletter. We're trying to find ways to make it uh, possible to be a part of the community and benefit from it without spending too much time in Discord. Um, 
but yeah, that's, that's a place where you can, uh, there are a lot of resources in there, a lot of great conversations going on. The scouts community is in there and that's where we talk and host calls and share songs. Um, so yeah, it's definitely still going down in discord for sure. Also, another thing that's not really technology-based is we have an office in LA when you have this big, beautiful courtyard out back here. We have a bunch of furniture in there. There's a nice tree out there. So we have people over for dinner. Um, we've had a couple dinners where we've had Web3 people in the space come over, artists come over. We just eat, drink, talk about what's going on. Um, and then eventually when our token drops, the people that have the token will be invited to these events where it's like 20, 40 people because it's it, we're not pitching it like come hang out with a bunch of influential music industry people like it's just like come hang out with us have some drinks if you don't drink you know there's water here because just come hang out i mean it's just like we all love music we don't need to talk about music all the time but i feel like that's the best community building stuff is just irl so yes we're on the discord yes we're doing Substack, but for us this is like we're, we're trying to build the actual culture and that happens being face to face and being Having a house in LA and, and having people over is super important to us. So that's definitely something we want, we intend to keep building on. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, definitely. I was about to start asking about the IRL stuff because, um, you know, yeah, it's it's irreplaceable. And, and the way you connect with people when you're actually in the same physical room is uh, you can't beat that. And and especially fostering like a community around music and and culture more broadly. Like you just have to connect with people on a personal level. Yeah, are, definitely. Are, are you guys going to be doing any other events with Dreams Never Die and, and the Founder Pass outside of like just some stuff in, in LA by the office? Yeah, so on April 12th, we're doing our very first showcase at Georgia Room for NFT NYC. There's going to be three Ooh. artists three artists performing at that event. The headliner we can't name because of radius clause issues, but they're very dope. We'll be... There's a way to find out, but we can't publicly say it for very for reasons. Um, the second act we can't say publicly yet because of visa issues and the opening act. I believe we just confirmed, but I think we're going to save the announcement. But it's going to be three uh, very dope artists, um, and that's going to run from eight to eleven. Before that, it's going to be a holders only dinner party with open bar and free food for token holders. We haven't announced that yet. But you know, it's we'll we'll announce it soon. But basically, it's our first showcase. Um, we're really bullish on making sure that the music isn't making you go deaf. So if you're watching this and you want to go to an, an NFT NYC event where you're not going to go deaf, we got you. <laughs> yeah, it's also uh, exciting because it'll be our first official uh, event with a token gated component. So the actual concert is free with RSVP. Anyone can RSVP to that right now. Um, but that dinner party that's taking place before is going to be a, a holder, founder pass holder only event. Uh, so I think that that'll be a cool kind of celebration. It's it's pretty soon after the actual launch of the founder pass. Uh, and um, yeah, I think that that'll be a, like a great moment for the community. Yeah, that's super cool. I like that model a lot for, you know, you, you don't want to specifically token gate the event and the concert and the music, but having some older perks either before or after where you can 
you know, again, connect in real life and build that community again, I think is a, a great way to utilize, utilize the token, but not overdo it. Yeah, we're we're trying to find that balance because we're also trying to onboard a lot of our uh, hater music two friends that don't <laughs> understand Web three yet. We got we got to get some of the executives that we're friends with to to come to the show and and see what's up. Yeah, I mean for us it's the same philosophy that we take to the whole like music NFT Web three space, which is you know music at this point is essentially free to listen to. Uh, we don't really see that going anywhere. But let's find ways for people to actually uh, buy something of value to them to support an artist, but not even to support an artist. They should get something out of it. You know, they should be excited about that thing that they just bought. Uh, and and yeah, how can they get value out of it? How can the people, the artists actually provide more value, tell more of their story? I mean, that's the same exact idea with the, the, the founder past. You know, you're going to be able to, see what dreams never die is doing enjoy the music regardless of if you have a pass or not but if you really want to get in there and and get as much out of it as you can uh which you know the it's really up to the person how much they want to get out of it then then yeah a pass uh would be great for for whoever's interested in that yeah well just throughout this conversation i'm getting pretty interested and have a decent amount of eth in my hot wallet so you guys will probably see me at NFT NYC at least. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the pass. Bye. Um, I know we're sort of coming close on time. Are you guys cool if we go over a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay, word. I just make, want to make sure we're not rushed here. Uh, so with the pass, how do you guys think about uh, looking for, you know, active community members and people who are passionate and want to contribute versus people who maybe just want to buy in and hold it for speculative reasons or just like really passively observe. Yeah. So that's something we're actively thinking about. I mean, the pass is for, it could be artists, speculators. If people want to flip, I mean, that's what they, that's what they do. Fans, um, music business talent. Um, so there's really, I mean, we can go into a whole bunch of details of it, but like part of on the business side, which makes me so excited about it is the music industry is very nuanced and it's very overcomplicated. So we want to basically identify people that are within our community, people that attend the weekly calls, people that we become close to and say, Hey, where can I help? Where can I jump in? We get to know these individuals so we can identify their talent. Maybe this person is a manager. You know, maybe they start out as a scout and they have great ears and they become an A&R and we can onboard them into these positions within our community and company. And really that's, that, that sounds like a great, uh, a fun thing for me because a lot of these young kids that come into the music business, they have all this uh, exuberance. They want to help artists and then they go get a job at a major record label. And then they just realize that I have to play politics in this building it's not about the music. It's about the data. And it's what have you done for me lately business? And if you're not, if you don't have the proclivity to operate in that, that area, you're not going to succeed. And for a lot of kids, they don't come out the gate ready for that. So we're not saying that we're going to wave this magic wand and fix everything, but it's like, this is a way for us to bring young entrepreneurs, mentor them, give them in positions so they can, you know, at the very least figure out if they like this, and, and just fit them in and, and put and send them along their way because either they figure out a role within dreams never die or they go work for somebody else and you know that's that's good business and that's creating 
uh, a positive culture. And that's exactly what we want to do on a business side. But um, maybe, Cole, you can talk about artists and what they could get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that question uh, has a lot of different answers depending on who we're talking about. That's the thing that we find really cool about this path is that uh, whether you're, like Chad was saying, you know, a young person who's eager to learn more about music, um, or if you're just a casual music fan who likes the artists that we're putting out, uh, if you're an NFT enthusiast who thinks that this is a cool concept and wants to, you know, be around for, uh, to, to see what happens with it, uh, you can just get a pass and there are a lot of different ways to get out of it what you want to get out of it. Essentially, no matter who you are, uh, if you're really interested in Dreams Never Die and identify with our mission, there are various different ways to be involved with what we're doing. Um, if you simply like NFTs, think it's a cool project, you know, we think it's cool, get one, you know, hold on to it, see what happens with it. Uh, we think that the fact that the founder pass is attached to Dreams Never Die, uh, the community and what the company represents, you know, a company that's continuing to sign artists, release music, build catalog, grow. Uh, we think that that's a powerful thing. And that's a, a reason why, you know, uh, this pass is cool. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, obviously no, no person releasing an NFT wants to be like, yeah, this one's going to the moon and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, uh, Something that Chad mentioned earlier is that we were really disenfranchised with the way that competition worked in the music industry. We would see people actively being petty because even though they might like a song, they might think an artist is cool. If they weren't the first to find it, if they didn't sign it, uh, they feel like they shouldn't support it because they're in competition with it. We think that something like this uh, opens the doors so that anyone who is a fan of what we're doing wants to be involved with it. Um, and uh, like, even if it's just in the smallest way of, of buying this pass and, and technically being a part of the community, maybe going to an event one day, uh, you know, staying up to date, uh, you can do that. You know, that there's actually a way to do that now instead of looking over at the people who are kind of in competition with you and being real mad at them. I mean, you know, I'm personally very excited to buy uh, and hold tokens from other communities who are doing similar things, working with artists that I'm excited about. That sounds way more cool to me than uh, having a, a salty demeanor toward everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, it's just like, it's just the excitement of being a part of the community. Like, what happens when we find the next Billy Eilish? Or what happens when that moment comes out of a Web3 record label and you were there early? You, you met the artist, you talked to the artist, and you just became a part of their journey. If I was a young 16-year-old kid and I can get involved in that, that's amazing. Because I remember like thinking back, like when I tried to get internships, I always got denied. I always got denied. And now you can show up to a Web3 record label, buy an NFT. Yes, there's an entry level of monetary compensation that requires to get into it, but we're going to be figuring out ways to you know, essentially have scholarships for kids that can apply for this but that to me is, is just super exciting again it, it's it's a new two-way of exchange and it just makes so much sense 
So yeah, there's a lot of people fighting the technology, NFTs, blah, blah, blah. But what, what matters is this is a new way for humans to connect through blockchain technology. And really, we don't even need to talk about the technology. It's just going to be how it is in the future. Yes. I mean, yeah. uh, well, one last thing about that, which Chad was starting to get into, was a lot of people don't ever get to experience that feeling of uh, being there. Whenever an artist gets discovered, you hear their first demo. Uh, and then three years later, four years later, they're playing a show in your city. You get to go meet them. You support them. You hear that song live that you heard a rough 30-second version of like years back. We take that for granted because we've you know seen that happen so many times. But uh, we think that that's just an incredible experience for anyone. Uh, and we think that being involved with what we're doing will provide that experience to a lot more people and is a great reason to get involved uh, regardless of anything else. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, you sold me on it <laughs> throughout this conversation. Um, love that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's super exciting. Have you seen any other projects doing similar stuff? Like, I feel like, you know, web three label is sort of something that's out there, but I don't know if I've really talked to anyone doing it on your guys level. I mean, I think a lot of the web three labels are all providing different, um, specs of what, what they're doing. I think ours is definitely unique because of the story coming from the music background background. Um, part of our business plan is we're essentially building a catalog, signing, developing artists, building a community, and then identifying the artists that we bring through the ground floor level and scaling them globally. And also going after artists, um, that are already doing well on web too. So we plan to attack every angle because, you know, the music business is built off of hits and we're not ignorant to that. We want to scale global stars, but we also want to sign songwriters develop songwriters because part of what makes web3 so beautiful is that there's a there's kind of like a divide lines most artists are songwriters and that's great some artists are stars but the songwriter if you're a songwriter you know you, you're not going to want to be on tiktok every day you're not going to want to promote yourself ad nauseum you just want to put out music and make a living off of that so web3 is that lane and that that is the most that's exciting to us because again, we come from a background of really caring about the music and we really need to like hone in and, and tell these kids that you, you don't need to be a star. That's fine. You know, just because you're not as big as X, Y, Z artists doesn't matter. If you make great songs, we, we want you at Genius and Never Die because at the end of the day, you know, songs provide immense value for our day-to-day -day lives. So, and we want soundtrack, of our lives to be full of the dopest music. I know, I know that sounds corny, but like this is, that's literally all we're trying to do. Because at the end of the day, we just want to keep the lights on, hear great music, scale global stars, have a community around it, and just have a fucking great time because what else are we going to do with our lives at this point? And I love it. That's like, I have a couple other questions, but that was a pretty good closer right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to ask him anyway. Um, okay, go ahead. Go for when it. you when you guys are finding new artists that you want to work with, what's how do you get them to work with Dreams Never Die? What's the pitch on, the, you know, the value add? Well, I mean, it just depends where the artist is at in their career. So a lot of our pitches are for artists that are brand new. So it's like 
you know, if there's a hundred thousand songs uploaded to DSPs every day, how are you going to get your music heard? I mean, that's, it's, it's damn near impossible. You, you have to know somebody. So basically we just provide A to Z um, covers for these artists to, to get their foot out in the door. We're like, we ex essentially act as a springboard. You know, we can bring you creatives to help you finish off your music, mixing, mastering, we can bring in other producers. We can help you with your creative. But the number one thing for us is just we're curators, we're tastemakers. So every a lot of people look for us when a brand new artist comes to our label. So we have partnerships with distro who are excited about us because again, what are they going to come with next? Like we gave them an exciting artist two months ago, another exciting artist is coming out. So it's just about leaning on the story and just really, you know, caring about the music and, and that's, and, and, and web three, that's why I'm web three, cause it's providing us a whole nother angle. So it's like, it just depends where the artist is at their career. Um, but again, we, we intend to scale never die and, and really sign and develop global acts and like this is not just a web three play this is you know we're really trying to look at the big picture here and build a very successful company because we we truly believe that good music deserves to win and we we need to win because we need to keep supporting all this great music so great yeah as a as a brand new artist because that's uh, so far, what we've done primarily is sign and develop brand new artists who might not even have their first song out. Like Chad said, there are some changes uh, internally that might have us working with artists at different stages of their, their careers more often uh, under the Dreams Never Die name. But uh, it's a pretty amazing gig, if you ask me, to, to get on board with Dreams Never Die. I'm obviously extremely biased, but uh, we're pretty much the only people who are actually actively onboarding, like the, the only record label that's actively onboarding artists into the Web3 space. There are others who are doing it as well, but we are one of the only ones at our stage that's boutique curated in the way that we are um, and are going to push you in the Web2 space equally as hard. Uh, and we have some great case studies now. I mean, that artist Slowjack, who I mentioned uh S-L-O-E, Jack, he uh, had an incredible first year, um, created a, a foundation of over 130 collectors, um, was able to provide value with them. So uh, did eight different NFTs on sound, um, made merch for them, was in the green because of his uh, sales on sound, and then also managed to do over uh, or on his way to 2 million streams. And um, do numbers on traditional platforms, continue marketing in traditional ways as well. So like Chad said, we're not necessarily tied to any platform, any ideology, except for let's get great music in as many places as possible and make this work because uh, that's what we care about. Yeah, man, I love it. That's it's super exciting. It's, it's cool how like, you know, Slowjack has 130 collectors in a year and like you know, historically in the music industry, you'd be like 130 in a year. That number is so insignificant. That doesn't mean anything. But, you know, the way that this tech allows people to connect with, you know, fans on a deeper level and create a more long-term two-way relationship. It's like 130 collectors is, a, is fucking legit now. Like that's an awesome start for a new artist. 
Um, so that's super definitely. cool, man. I'm definitely going like, to have to check him out. Yeah. Like David Greenstein always says, we're just getting started. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. We're still early, man. Wonder if we'll ever stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Shout out, David. <laughs> um, with the onboarding process for, for artists you guys are working with, what, what is that like? Like, obviously I'm sure you help them set up a wallet and, you know, show them some of the platforms that you're going to be dropping on. But like, are you also like, you know, showing them who to follow on Twitter, getting them in spaces, putting them in other discords? Like, what does that whole process look like? Yeah, all the above. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we also specifically with Slowjack and then also an artist named Superflirt, uh, who we launched last year and put his first song out. Uh, we have been doing something different we'll, where we'll actually introduce those artists to our community before even releasing the music. Uh, they'll even do like intro calls with the people in our community. Uh, Super Flare was actually discovered by someone in our community. His uh, like curation page is called Blub Blub, uh, but he's a legend and has been finding music forever. He's one of our scouts. So he had the experience of getting in our community hearing the Super Flare song before it came out, um, being gifted a NFT on Found from his first drop, um, and now hearing more demos, hearing directly from the artists. Uh, so whenever there is an artist who wants to get involved in our community in the Web3 side of things, there's a new process now, which involves actually getting them in there with the community early on so that whenever we go to launch that artist, there's already a group of people who know this artist and like them and want to support them because, uh, you know, they love the music. They heard it from the start. Uh, and what's more exciting than, you know, seeing something that you were there from the very start grow and flourish. So, um, yeah, the, that in addition to, you know, all the other things of the nuts and bolts of teaching someone a wallet, we create guides for the artist um, and, and just, help them actually understand what the tech is, what it means. Um, but we find the most important part, getting them to understand that there's a community that will be excited to embrace them out there uh, and, you know, how to interact with them and, and take advantage of that. Yeah. Super exciting stuff, guys. Um, do you have any advice to artists who are looking to uh, just in general, looking to advance their careers? I'm curious what you guys would say. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, my great, I think the, the best advice is the superpower of the world right now is persistence and consistent and consistency. So if you show up every single day, keep working on your craft, never give up, keep learning. You can find success that way. But also the caveat to that is it is incredibly difficult to make a career making music. Your, your North Star should be creating a lifestyle business for yourself. And if that happens, that's that's incredible. Um, but music's not for everybody. I mean, if you just got to know yourself and, and, and really do the work and figure out if this is for you. Because if music's for you and you have this burning desire in your soul that this, the world needs to hear this music and I'm never going to give up, you will succeed. And that goes for people on the business side as well. That's why the music industry is full of pain 
but it's also so incredible because people that stick it out are some of the most they're my favorite people ever because we all speak the same language so if you have that burning desire deep in your heart your soul whatever you want to call it we need you in music um but if not it, it's okay so you just got to figure it out because i think there's way too many people making music these days and one of the controversial things is that i don't think everybody uh, just because you make music doesn't mean you deserve a living um, to, to from music, which is a very difficult conversation. Again, I'm not saying I'm the arbiter of that, but it's it's important to have a healthy mindset when you work in music to have realistic expectations because how many people are stars? How many people make it in music? Very, very little. So, you know, it's, again, yeah, that's all. My, that's, yeah, my advice, it's definitely similar. Uh, I first will tell someone to acknowledge that right now in many ways, it's harder than ever to start a career as a brand new artist. Uh, the hurdles are, are very high. Um, and Chad and I've seen that for years and years. Um, so first of all, acknowledging like, all right, this is a difficult thing. It's, it's not something that uh, is going to happen overnight. Even if you do happen to get lucky, get a TikTok hit, that doesn't mean you're going to have a career in music. You know, uh, the actual work required to create a sustainable career in music right now as an artist is, uh, it's a lot. However, the caveat to that is that the power is in the artist's hands at this point. Anyone can make it happen. Anyone can go online, start their careers, start building something from scratch. Um, so on that note, my advice is to try different things. Uh, see what responds both publicly to people and then also internally, like in your gut, what feels good to you. Uh, and then double down on those things that seem to actually make sense for what you're doing and where you're putting the music out. I mean, there might be artists right now who Web3 isn't their thing. They're great at TikTok and they make good music. Like, cool, double down on that. There might be artists who understand the Web3 space, understand how to market in that space. Their brain works that way. Uh, and they can build something from scratch, double down on that. You know, you just kind of have to figure out where you fit in and where you can start to form a business and find some sustainability in the like work toward a career making music. Cause that's the dream, you know, for any new artist. but that's an amazing achievement. If anyone can get there. It's great stuff, man. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Great advice. Like I, I really appreciate your guys' time. Um, I don't know if there's anything that you guys want to touch on that we didn't get to, but you know, otherwise I'm super excited for dreams. Never die. I'll see you guys in New York. I'm buying an NFT next week. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Thanks Jake. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us on for sure. Yeah, this was great. Thank you, Jake. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Wait, don't go yet. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to check the links in the show notes to find and support Dreams Never Die. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And you can follow me on social media at the links in the show notes as well. Please don't hesitate to reach out with feedback or comments or questions. I love hearing input from listeners that can help me improve the podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for a very exciting episode with Sherry Hu, the founder of Water and Music, a music and tech research organization that I am a huge fan of and have learned so much from over the last year. Sherry was an incredible guest and our podcast was extremely insightful. So I'll see you next week for that conversation.